Welcome back to another episode of Obsessed with Death. If you are unaware, we have a brand new podcast series on the Obsessed with Death network, and it's called The Final Word. Basically, me and my co-host Gary are pulling our favorite death-related, death-adjacent type news stories and discussing. Um, We have an episode coming up here in about two weeks where the first story is about a man who broke into another man's home to steal his sex doll after he died. So (laughs) that's the kind of content you're going to be getting. It's a ton of fun. It's my new favorite thing. Go check it out. It, of course, is in the same feed that you're getting this episode from. Uh, It's called The Final Word. And uh, episode two is coming out in just a few weeks. Also, I've been meaning to bring this up, but if you listen to us on Spotify, and most of you do, I could see the numbers. There are so many of you. Please give us a five-star review. Click the star, rate, review. Please just give us a review. It helps so much. And we have such a small amount of reviews for the insane amount of people that listen on Spotify. So please go do that right now before you start the episode. I would really appreciate it. All right. Otherwise, let's get into today's episode. Today, I am talking with the co-founder and editor of TalkDeath.com and the founder and president of the online memorial platform Keeper, my friend Mandy. If you're familiar with this podcast, you're probably familiar with Talk Death or Keeper. Uh, Mandy has been a friend for a while now, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Of course, if you're not following, go follow Talk Death and check out Keeper. Uh, Really fun episode, really fun conversation. Mandy's the coolest. Enjoy another episode of Obsessed with Death. Losing a pet is a terrible experience. It's a horrible reality that we're rarely prepared for. That's why Coda helps pet parents prepare for end of life and gives better options for memorials. With Coda, pet parents who are navigating their pet's end of life can find resources, guides, and modern memorial opportunities all in one place, such as jewelry, artwork, cremation stones, vase urns, and more. Coda also knows that thinking about end of life is hard, and talking about it is even more challenging. That's why they have created grief resources specifically for pet parents. Coda's blog answers all the questions that come up for pet parents in including the topics of pre-planning, end-of-life coordination, and more. For more information, go to lovecoda.com today. Well, uh, we did it. Uh, Mandy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It only took us two years to finally have you on the show. Maybe even longer, but I'm very happy to be here. We're, you know, we're, we're pals now. I would call us pals. And uh, mm-hmm. we were just talking and you mentioned to me, you go, why have I not done 
the I don't maybe you didn't you weren't demanding, but you, you did bring up the fact that yeah, we've sort of been working together and 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 discussing death related things, and I don't know why it never clicked in in either of our heads, but I'm uh, I'm excited you're here. I don't take it personally anymore. It's all good. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we were able to bury that hatchet. Um, so uh, there's a ton of stuff I want to get into. You obviously uh, have been in this death world uh, for a while, and uh, you're currently involved in a, in a lot of really cool projects and and companies, and and you do a lot. But before I get to all of that, something I like to ask everybody on the podcast is I'm curious. And maybe not work related, but more as just like a life uh, related. How often are you thinking about death? Is it something you think about every day? Does it worry you? Are you sort of just okay with whatever? Uh, uh, what sort of effect does death have on uh, you know your day to day life? Well, so I do work with and in death daily, all day, every day. Sure. Yeah. So. I'd say I probably have like a good hard moment, like once a week. And to be honest, it often comes in the form of you're going to die anyways. Why are you stressing so much about this work thing? Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's often how it comes into my brain. But I also have this very strange, not really reoccurring, but reoccurring theme in my dreams where I die or people I love die and they're very vivid dreams. And I, you know, my husband dies or I die or my mom dies or my sister dies. It's something that I, that happens in my dreams fairly often, like maybe like once every two weeks, I would say. And so like my subconscious definitely is dialed into it. And according to my psychologist, it means that I'm scared of losing the people closest to me. Um, but I definitely per think about myself dying um, fairly often, I would say, probably about once a week. Okay, you, so you're thinking about death once a week. I think that's pretty normal-ish, right? I don't know how to gauge any of this. What is normal? I, I want to know. I, I want to ask every person I, I meet ever because I'm just so curious what like that is there like a sweet spot? Once a week sounds pretty great to me. But it seems like maybe you should be thinking about it more because now you're you're subconscious and and your dreams are basically like this is what you need to be thinking about or this is you know the real concern which also I guess is reasonable you're 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 dreaming about the people closest to you dying um, but to happen that often that's pretty intense yeah it does feel intense and I mean to be honest like you know the way in which you're thinking about dying. I think, you know, there, there's a level of something that's healthy and something that's not healthy for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll admit it's in an unhealthy way, you know, when everything feels really overwhelming. But then in some ways, it's more thinking about my current life and thinking about where I want to see it. And, you know, I feel like this is so cliche, at least to people who work in this space which is that it does kind of help you reflect more. And so, you know, when you're thinking of a big career transition or thinking about a big life decision, taking a moment and being like, is this going to matter when I'm on my deathbed? I think that that's a really helpful and healthy way to kind of weed out the unimportant things. I totally agree. I, I don't know 
if I'm on, you know, the healthy side of the, you know, the thought process of death all the time, I'm probably not, but it, 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 it is helpful in those situations, right? Where you mentioned work. I think that's a big one. Work stresses out, you know, most people to be able to have that outlook and be like, well, in the grand scheme of like my life, this is totally meaningless. We're all just going to die one day and you'll, you're never going to think about this again. Why let it really bother you right now? I think, yeah, there is, uh, there is sort of like some beauty in that there. Yeah. There are clearly different ways of, of viewing and thinking about death, um, you know, healthy or not. And I think that's a healthy way to, to look at it, right. To just maybe not every situation in life, I guess there's certain things maybe that you shouldn't, use death as a, an excuse not to care but yeah i guess it's just finding that balance yeah exactly for me it's more like why am i going to lose sleep over something that's not going to matter um later on right or yeah. you know it, it kind of helps minimize certain things when they when they cause a lot of stress and sure. i find that helpful but then you know sometimes sort of the unhealthy way is like you know, I'm just going to drop everything and be completely apathetic to everything. And that's where um, it can be kind of reverse and you can feel like life has no meaning because we're going to die. Right. (laughs) And I think sometimes that happens, you know, depending on your mental state and how, and where you're at in that moment, there could be a really big shift there. And so there's a, there's a positive and a negative in that sense. But um, I try to do it in a healthy way as much as possible. Um, and so, you know, it's like a good death meditation. Like, is this going to matter on my deathbed? No, then don't care so much and don't lose sleep over it. Right. Yeah. And that's like probably 99% of our life is stuff that like, isn't going to matter. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost. Which is everything. really sad too, but yes. <laughs> I know. We'll see. This is, yeah, this is the back and forth. And I, I'm telling you, I, I'll just, It'll be a Wednesday at like one o'clock and all of a sudden I'm just thinking about every moment of my life and like how I should have reacted and shouldn't have reacted and why did I care so much or why did I not care enough? And I think there is some sort of beauty in the guy who like quits his job and just like moves to, you know, an island and it's like, we're all going to die one day. Why am I working? Why am I doing this? Why am I sitting in traffic? Whatever. That does sound great. and. Also a little, unfortunately, unrealistic, but I don't know, maybe, maybe nobody should have a job. Honestly, when you, when you were saying that, all I could think about was the things that don't matter are related to capitalism. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like literally, if you think about it, if it has anything to do with capitalism, doesn't matter. You're not going to care about it later. Yeah. Um, and so. it's like that. And it's the stuff that's stressing everybody out the most. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So your family, your friends, your community, that has nothing to do with capitalism, hopefully. And yeah. those are the things that you're going to be like, oh, that was meaningful. So basically what we're getting at here is whoever's listening right now, let's all quit our jobs and just like start a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, are you just coming out as like a communist or something? I think this is. Yeah, I think I finally decided that, that this is the, the time and the, the place to admit that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is. It's not something that I feel like I've talked about on the podcast that much. 
Um, you know, like I said, we we sort of do start each episode off by just getting an idea of the thought process of death, you know, with whoever I'm speaking with. And it's never really made the turn into capitalism. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm a little upset it's taken this long. But that, that 100% ties into death, unfortunately. I don't maybe not the best segue ever, but you do run a company called yeah. Keeper <laughs> Keeper Memorials. I would love for you to sort of briefly explain, you know, what it is and and why people should check it out and and all of that. And then I I, I really want to get into you know how the things got started and 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 all of that. Yeah, so my capitalist project is Keeper Memorials. <laughs> um, but actually, funny enough, like I'm sort of the the creative brain behind it. And yes. it took a very long time for us to even charge anything because I was just like, everything in the world should be free. So, you know, it's always been a resistance, a push and pull for me. But sure. um, Yeah, of course, of course. So Keeper Memorials is an online memorial platform where you can create a page basically a mini website for a loved one who's passed away. Families use our site. We partner with funeral homes, cemeteries, nonprofits, government organizations, and essentially people use our site to memorialize someone. So they'll add information like their photograph, their story, and then it's like a collaborative site where many people can share memories, stories, photos, videos, you name it, and it becomes like one beautiful story of that person. Yeah, it's been something that we started in 2013 and we're still we're still doing it. We're still going strong. So in 2013, where did where did the idea come from? What what sort of pushed you in this direction to create uh, keepers? So it started in 2013 when I was at a cemetery. I was visiting it with uh, I was visiting a, a grandparent with my dad and we were walking through a indoor mausoleum that had glass front niches which is essentially a glass case, for lack of a better word, where people will place an urn. And because it's glass, people will also put things like memorabilia, and it's like a nice representation of the decedent. And in one of them, there was a CD, like a blank CD. So, you know, think about the ones in the 90s. Uh, for those of you that are <laughs> born in the 2000s, you probably have never seen one. Yeah, it's and covered in a Sharpie playlist on top. Well, yeah, there was actually words written in Sharpie. And that, that's what yeah. kind of caught my eye. It said uh, dad's work written on it. Oh, wow. And it was just really strange to see a CD or a piece of technology like that in a space like this. It's not something I had seen before. Yeah. And so we tried to Google the person's name to try to think about what could possibly be contained in that CD. You know, was this person a photographer, a writer, an engineer, like who knows? And obviously nothing came up. And to me, it showed that the family cared so much about that person's legacy. You know, we just talked about work and how that's not a part of your legacy. But, you know, some of the work we do does really touch people yeah. and is a really big part of our identity. And the family, that that was the only way that they knew how to preserve that and to share it in a way because they had it displayed publicly. And it also made us realize that every single person in a cemetery has a story. At a cemetery, all you see is a name and a date of birth and a date of passing, and there's a dash in between, and there's a whole story in between that dash, and that's not something that is easily told on a piece of concrete. 
Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that um, they had that thought process to be like, hey, we should digitalize this, you know, for dad. Maybe it never gets played. Maybe, you know, maybe it just, you know, just ends up sitting there forever. But they wanted that to be a part of, you know, the rest of his time here for whatever that is. And I love that. Uh, yeah. Also, it just makes I just miss the 90s and burn CDs. <laughs> I had so many, so many. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm having flashbacks right now of my sister's CD booklet that you could like you could kill a person with. It weighed like 30 pounds. Oh, yeah, I had one of those, too. It was awesome. <laughs> Used to bring it with me everywhere. I love it. So you come up with this idea. What was your thought process when when you were starting it? Like, what was it? Was there like an end goal? Do you feel like you've reached your end goal with Keeper? Um, is, is there anything in the future that you that you would like to accomplish? That's a good question. Um, I'm not really sure to be honest. I think that we reached our initial goal, and we've definitely gone. Um, further than I thought we would just based on some of the clients we have and some of, and the amount of people that we're reaching. And, you know, our goal was kind of to become like the brand name of memorials that that's the kind of, that's the site that people turn to automatically. Um, you could call it, you know, like the Facebook for the departed, which we've gotten a lot. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of other sites out there now, you know, like around 2016, like kind of a boom of online memorial sites came in. Some of them have lasted, most of them haven't. And so we've kind of just had this longevity that I think clients have come to trust. You know, what's interesting with that question, or when I think back on it is one, I guess I don't have an answer fully, but, you know, as, as I think about it now, you know, we did reach our initial goal, but as as we grew in the space and as my knowledge of the space grew, there was so much more room for growth in terms of other services and work that we offer. So we started doing things like virtual funerals around COVID. And that is something that we're still doing. We have a team that does virtual funerals every week for people. And that's never something I thought would even have to exist. Um, And so Things have changed a lot and we're kind of just continuing to evolve with the times. But really, I think that there's still so much more that we want to accomplish as a company because there's just so many other ways that you can be helping people during this time of need. And I really, you know, to be honest, like if anyone in here is in the death tech space and I've, I've spoken to quite a few other founders about this is, you know, we just need someone one big, you know, lovely investor to just bring a bunch of our companies together, people that are doing wills, people that are doing just end of life planning, people who are doing funerals versus online pieces and just bring it into like one beautiful portal because we have so many lovely companies in this space that are doing each their own specialty really well. Not that it's confusing for users. I think that a lot of people out there don't realize that a lot of these companies exist and having like one wonderful platform that you could use depending on your needs would be really great. And um, so that you don't have to like, you know, just really simple things like input the same information in multiple areas and just kind of help families through like the entire journey of, 
you know, planning their own funeral versus planning loved ones versus a loved one going through an illness and someone dying. Like there's, there's so much to it. And um, I think that we're just like one small piece of this journey that people go through when they lose someone. Yeah. So it sounds like what you just explained would be a, a pretty incredible milestone, you know, for you and and for a lot of these other companies, right? Is for somebody to really integrate everyone to one place to sort of make all of these things easier for everybody. If any uh, any investors with <laughs> deep pockets that want to acquire a bunch of companies, please do call us. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I like it's just sort of a vision that I've had where yeah, like, I'm I'm definitely a proponent of you know, do one thing well, companies become really strong when they bring on specialists who have done like one thing well, and then you just end up having a really amazing suite. So like, that's just one thing that that I see doing what we're doing now, which is, you know, online memorials in and of itself, we're meeting a very important need. Um, But I just, that's kind of just a vision I have. And I'm not sure if it'll ever come to fruition, but it would be pretty cool if it did. You're you're 100% right. That's the direction that this needs to be going in. I think we need people like you to make it happen. <laughs> Obviously, we, you got to you got to have the funds to to do it, but um that's a really interesting idea. Just quickly, you mentioned that you that you're doing online funerals uh at, almost on a weekly basis now. I'm just sort of curious what those what those look like. I'm just like picturing like a Zoom meeting but is it more complex than that or are, are there is there like a live stream happening for people like what what does that sort of look like yeah so we have three different kinds of virtual funerals as we call them one is that we the way we started doing it really at the peak of covid where everyone is on a zoom meeting for example we have one of our team who's a facilitator who of course there's all this planning that happens behind the scenes before the service but they're the ones that kind of host and are what's called like sort of the, is it called like the master of services? I forget what the real term is in events, but they're the ones that kind of host and coordinate it, meaning they introduce everything, they introduce the speakers and yeah, they're kind of like the master of services in that way. And, you know, there's similar to a funeral where there's people who have been pre-appointed to speak, there's slideshow videos, and then What's cool with doing it all online like that is it becomes way more open for creativity in the sense that you can show a lot more media, you know, we'll have people in their home that will like play a song on an instrument that they have at home. We have what's called an open forum where anyone who's on at the end will do like an open share. So anyone can kind of say a few words. And if you think about that in a funeral setting, you know, imagine a bunch of people walking up and down from the podium and trying to say a few things, it would just be a long mess. But in the sort of Zoom format, it's a very kind of inclusive and almost you could say democratic way of of doing it. Um, So that's like the, the strictly virtual where everyone is online. And then we do one which is hybrid, So you have a group of people who are gathering in person, whether that's at, you know, we have, we've had people that have rented out banquet halls at hotels. We do, we do them at funeral homes. We'll do them um, at a park, really, you name it. We've done it in so many places. So there's a group of people gathering in person. And then there's a group of people gathering online on Zoom and the people in person can see the people online and vice versa. 
And it's like a two-way interaction. So you could have eulogies and people speaking in person, and then someone will be speaking on Zoom and everyone that's in the physical room will be able to see and hear that person. So it's a way to allow people who can't physically make it still interact with um, everyone in person. And then we do one that's uh, very kind of standard nowadays, which is called live streaming, where it's kind of a one way. So you'll have an in-person service and the people online are kind of just watching it. So there's no interaction with the online and offline guests. Yeah, see, that sounds like my speed right there. I just want to make sure everybody that possibly can be involved will be involved. I, I really need to work out the details on my f- live stream funeral. And it kind of allows people in the greater community to feel part of something. Families sometimes are hesitant, but then after they have a service with us, they're like, wow, that was way more beautiful than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. I also love the idea, like you mentioned, of some being someone being able to access an instrument and to be able to perform and 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 do something like that that you necessarily, you know, wouldn't be able to do. You know, I mean, this is just stuff that I don't think a lot of people realize. And uh, yeah. it's definitely something it's that's been brought up on the podcast before is, you know, planning your funeral and what you want that to look like. And I really like this option. The way technology is moving, eventually there's just going to be like virtual reality funerals, right? Like, I mean, we're going to put on a headset and we're all just going to be at whoever's funeral. I definitely think that that is in the future. Yeah, um, it, ha- it has to be, right? You know, and we're going to have... um holograms of the decedent talking <laughs> to us and giving their own autobiography to all of us. And absolutely, that's definitely going to happen. I can't wait. I like <laughs> it, but yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't It's interesting because obviously a funeral is this very personal thing and putting on a headset, I think immediately ruins that, but that's for the future to figure out, I guess. Losing a pet is a terrible experience. It's a horrible reality that we're rarely prepared for. That's why Coda helps pet parents prepare for end of life and gives better options for memorials. With Coda, pet parents who are navigating their pet's end of life can find resources, guides, and modern memorial opportunities all in one place, such as jewelry, artwork, cremation stones, vase urns, and more. Coda also knows that thinking about end of life is hard, and talking about it is even more challenging. That's why they have created grief resources specifically for pet parents. Coda's blog answers all the questions that come up for pet parents in including the topics of pre-planning, end-of-life coordination, and more. For more information, go to lovecoda.com today. You mentioned a little bit earlier when we were talking, you, you, you used the term death boom, which I think is really interesting because you've been doing this for since 2013, I guess, or, or, or were you involved yeah. in, in sort of the death community before that? Or would, is that the date that you would sort of put everything around? That's when I really got into the death care world in general was 2013. Yeah. So it's been, it's going to be over, over 10 years now. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious if you have any sort of opinion on, you know, how the death community has changed since you like first got started, especially with like social media and obviously we've we've discussed, you know, some of this 
digital forms of funerals and all of that. But I'm just sort of curious what what your opinion your opinion is on things from when you started ten years ago until now. I think that there is kind of two different sides to the coin. Like one would sort of be the social media world and sort of the general public um, understanding death and dying and kind of getting into that realm. You know, we didn't have death influencers 10 years ago and now there's literally, at least again, we're still all in a very tiny little bubble, Um, but there are death influencers out there. Uh, Apparently I'm one of them. (laughs) But that's never something that I thought would be part of my world. And it's not something that existed back then. So there's way more people online that are talking about sort of all things death and dying. And so it's something that has grown significantly from, you know, our small start to now, you know, there's hundreds of accounts now of people talking about it. So in that sense, the community overall has grown. The community of people trying to change the death industry and bring more kind of non, like kind of remove some of the professionalization out of it in a sense where it was very cut and dry before. And to to, to a large extent, it still is. And when I say that, I mean, you know, there's a, your loved one dies, the funeral home picks them up, you go to a funeral home, you go to a cemetery, and that's it, right? Or you might not go to a cemetery if you're getting cremated. And nowadays we have, you know, between the tech companies that are allowing you to do your will and your estate planning online, you can work with people like us to plan your funeral in a different way. You can bring on a private death doula that will walk you, you know, through the death process and then help you prepare your loved one's body for burial. Um, It's just expanded so significantly. And I think it's so wonderful. And I think a lot of it is people are trying to take back control of their own bodies and of their loved ones' bodies. And unfortunately, you know, funeral homes have gotten a bad rap because of the way that they have historically, I don't, the word gouge sounds terrible, but you know, some funeral homes really do overcharge and it just has become such an incredible expense. And, you know, we're in this era of the startup world where, you know, we all thought that taxis were the best thing. And, you know, how would you replace a taxi? And, you know, now the way that that's been completely disrupted, I think that the funeral space is is kind of in that world as well. But I do want to say it with the caveat, funeral directors and the work that they do are incredibly important. And I've worked at a funeral home. I've got a lot of funeral director friends and I never want to take away from the work that they do. But I think that funeral directors are also completely overworked. And there's some work that death doulas can do, for example, or companies like us can do that can just assist funeral directors in the work that they're doing and just give families a better, more holistic experience. And so unfortunately, I don't really think, I don't, I wouldn't say that I've seen a change in the funeral industry with that. I know a couple funeral homes working with death doulas now. The only really big change that I've seen in the funeral space, just because I'm a technology company, so I see it a lot, is just the use of technology, 
with funeral homes, you know, they're always about funeral homes and cemeteries are about always 10 years behind. Uh, my first conference, a funeral director said, come talk to me in 10 years, literally. And so overall, the funeral space is just behind the times and they're very resistant to change. But it's also because their business model is kind of a is just is failing now. Their business model doesn't make sense anymore. And I'm sure that most people know this, that you know, cremation has changed the landscape of the funeral profession as well. So overall, kind of in conclusion, like I we're slowly, very slowly, but I'm seeing a shift towards a bit more of a democratization of death care where people have more options, people are shopping more, people can work with different specialists for different needs and um, way more people that are not, you know, funeral directors are getting involved in this space. And I think it's great because not, there's no family that's the same and that has the same needs. All of these new options that are appearing in, in the, the death world, I guess uh, is, is sort of, helping in the in the sense of this always sort of being 10 years behind do you feel like th- these new options and these new ideas that that people are coming up with is what's going to sort of help the death community maybe stay more current than it than it usually is to an extent yes you know i think the word current like th- that's where it's sort of challenging because at the end of the day like Death itself hasn't changed. We lose someone, we grieve them, we need someone to help us through that process. You know, in most states, you legally can't, you know, you legally need a a funeral director to give you a death certificate. There's just so many things that are behind, you know, red tape for good reason. I think what we're seeing now is just more options for people that didn't exist before. So many families still today. I mean, either they don't know about other options or all they want is a one-stop shop where they have one meeting work with a funeral director and, you know, they just have a traditional service and and that's it, right? You still have a lot of families that that's what they want, maybe because that's what they know, that's their tradition, but that's also maybe all that they know of. But then other people are going to say, no, like I want mom to be at home and I want to help dress her and I want to actually drive her to the cemetery and I don't want to go to a funeral home. I want to do something more meaningful or something that reflects her as a person. Personalization and really meeting families where they're at, I think is important. And that's where we're kind of seeing a shift. But I would still say that for people that work in our space, especially like in the influencer space, that's kind of all we're seeing on our feeds. But that is unfortunately not the reality. But the more that we're all talking about this and the more that we're all educating people on their options, like for example, you didn't really know what virtual funerals were, right? The more that people are learning about it, the more that they're like, oh, that reflects me way more than what this funeral home is offering, you know? Is that sort of, Maybe one of the reasons, because I want to get into Talk Death. Talk Death is another project that you're heavily involved in. And what was that sort of the goal for Talk Death? I'd love to to sort of get an idea of of where that came from and and what your goals were w- with that as well. Is, is that something that you were using as a tool to educate people? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the... 
beginning of talk death is actually very unsexy or uninspirational. It was really, um, our marketing guy was like, you need to start writing articles for SEO, meaning you need to write articles so that when people search certain topics on Google, you come up. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's write articles related to the subjects that people look up. Like, what do you wear at a funeral? You know, very basic things that people are Googling. And then they're going to find Keeper and then they're going to make memorial pages on Keeper. That's how we're going to drive users. So at first it was a very cut and dry kind of classic marketing strategy. And then as I started to write articles, I was doing some of the writing. My, My partner, who's now my husband, started writing for us. Uh, we would just hire external writers. We would go through a list of, you know, what are people searching for? And as I kind of dove into that world, that's when I first started to be like, oh, death care and these issues around death is way, there's there's so much to talk about here. And on top of that, we would like go to conferences and people would be like, oh, Keeper, we love your blog. And I'd be like, oh, but you know that we're like an online memorial site. And they'd be like, oh, no, I just thought that you wrote about this. So we like we got popular for just the content we were writing. And I think it's because, you know, myself and Jeremy just became really engaged in the subject. And we were so fascinated by it that we started getting into that world. And so we the way that it started is we actually did. um like a vlog, like a video interview series, which unfortunately you can still find on YouTube. And we called it hashtag talk death. And that's where the name came from. And actually our first uh, interviewee was Caitlin Dowdy. Eventually the blog became a beast of its own. So we rebranded it talk death and we moved it all out of keeper. And now it's just a sister site. Sexy or not uh, still, uh, um, a, a really great resource. A very. I hope that that your your marketing guy got a great Christmas bonus or something because it, it is you know in a business sense a really great idea. Obviously, and a great way to to draw people to Keeper. As you sort of said here, Talk Death has kind of become its own thing now. Of course, you know it's very popular on on Instagram, and you know obviously you're still putting out current posts on TalkDeath.com. Uh, what, what sort of, or, or where do you see talk death and, you know, five years from now, is it, are you sort of comfortable where you are? Uh, are, are there any, you know, goals for the future of talk death? Do you want to start a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) As you know, we've been meaning to start a podcast for a very long time. And that's not something that I've had, unfortunately, any time to do, but, um, Something that that of course we'd love to do, uh, but there's also just so many other good podcasts out there that I'm like I, I don't know can I really say anything different right now to be honest so like that's where you know I kind of come from but of course you know you and I have brainstormed and I'm like actually there's a million things we can talk about but yeah. you know I don't know if I know the future of Top Death I. To be honest, we've been, you know, our oldest articles are 2013 or beginning of 2014. And I'm still floored that we're able to come out with a brand new article every week. Yeah, There is still so much to talk about. And, you know, our goals at Talk Death are really education, advocacy, equity, destigmatization, and community. Those are really our like pillars. And just in those areas, there's still so much to do. I see us and something that our team is working on is we're trying to work on the last one community a little more. We want to have 
more events in person or online to create a space where people can talk, learn, discover about death. That's something that we want to be growing a little bit further. And, um, you know, when I do these kinds of podcasts, I'm like, gosh, I guess I really do need to think of like, you know, that, that classic interview question, where do you see yourself in five years? (laughs) To be honest, (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. Like, I'm kind of someone who kind of things in the world come up and I'm like, oh yes, we should do this. I think that it's just become a really good resource. And if ever, you know, we can't continue to keep it up, like just keeping it online, it's just, you know, we still get tons of traffic on some of like our oldest articles, you know, we're always trying to update them. But yeah, like for us, like I think right now we want to continue to grow the community more. Um, and also continue on talking about like advocacy and ethics and equity sort of within the funeral space as well. Based off of just the presence online for Talk Death, you know, whether it's on social media or the or the blog itself, you do give off the vibe that like there's a boardroom with like 12 of you and, and you're up there and the chalkboard is full of ideas. It, you guys do a great job. <laughs> I, I'm I'm always really impressed in the, the subject matter that you guys are covering and who you're speaking to and, and what you're writing about. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're, a, we're a really small team. We're, we're like yeah. a team of four people. Um, not, no one's full time. Um, and yeah, I have to give a big shout out to our social media manager and staff writer, Sage, and a member who's actually not listed on here, but who's uh, officially keeper social media manager, Ryan. And she, um, is a death doula as well. She runs our virtual funeral services. But between all of us and and Jeremy, our co-founder, um, he's uh, you know a PhD, and everything he does is talking about death and dying. And so just between like all of us, but I have to say, um, a lot of it too is we're getting we're constantly getting uh, guest post requests, and we and that's what I love about this space is that people see our site and they come to us and they say, hey, like. You haven't talked about this. I know this really well. I think that this would be really fascinating. And so not only is it just like our team just always is fascinated and always wants, always has new things to talk about, but we have, you know, our followers and people in our community that come to us and want to kind of add to that knowledge base. And that's what I think has become really beautiful with Talk Death. Your funeral. You you live in this world. You work in this world. It's something you clearly think about a lot. I'm assuming you've you've made some sort of plan for your funeral. Well, first, let me just ask this: Do you do you have an idea of what your funeral is going to be like? Have you thought about it? Have you made any plan? So I have an idea of what I want, like my final disposition to be, and yeah. somewhat of my funeral. But I think that the actual like memorial service itself. I need to think about a little more, but yes, I can definitely speak to it. <laughs> it's it's so funny how many people I've interviewed on this podcast who are also like in or relatively adjacent to the death world and just have not thought about it whatsoever. Like I, I'd love to hear just maybe a, a, any sort of playlist. If, if you had to put one together, what do you got? Well, so it's funny. Like that's what I was going to say is like, yeah. that's what is the, so music is a very big part of my life. And yeah. the playlist is something that I feel like I haven't nailed down yet. Sure. Um, so, but generally like overall, what I know I would want is that, um, I come from a Jewish background and traditionally what we do is 
uh, after you die, your body is like immediately taken from wherever you die and you're ritually bathed and then shrouded by um, a group of, in, in, in my case, would be a group of women um, that's called the Hevra Kadisha, which um, translates to Holy Society. I'm actually a member of my local Jewish funeral home, so I do that um, as well. It's sort of oh, what great. I do in my volunteer wow. time. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful ritual. Um, I'm not like, I wouldn't say like I'm, I'm a religious Jew. I'm more of like a traditional person in that way. Um, and it's just still such a beautiful ritual. And you're taken with like, you're like, we take care of the person in our care so well and so beautifully. So you're just, you're naked, you're wrapped in a biodegradable shroud, and then you're placed in a casket that could be just, that's generally very, very simple, thin pine box. And then you're buried. And um, I learned recently, unfortunately, that in the US, a lot of Jewish burial grounds still do have uh, grave liners, meaning there's like concrete and there's a liner. But traditionally, uh, in the Jewish tradition, um, you're supposed to be just directly on the ground. And to the point that when they lower you, your casket into the ground at the time of burial, they actually will kind of drop it um, towards the end so that it cracks, so that the casket cracks, and then earth can come into the casket. And the idea is that you go back into the earth the way you came, because in Judaism, you, you know, we were, we were made out of, you know, out of sand, um, out of the soil. And so I've always been a proponent of green burial. And what most people don't realize is that Jews and Muslims uh, are the OG green burial uh, people. <laughs> okay. And so, um, yeah, most people don't realize that, but that's always the tradition. Muslims have a very, very similar tradition, except they they face like the feet or the head towards Mecca, for example. That's like kind of one of the differences. And um, I just always have found that so beautiful. Um, I also think that we, we have a tradition called sitting Shiva, where after the funeral um, at the main like family's house, you sit Shiva for seven days. So meaning you, you stay at that home, family, friends come to that home day, like day in, day out for seven days. They bring food, you sit, you talk, you cry. And it is honestly the most, like, it sounds awful, especially for an introvert like me, but I have had some of the best conversations and connections with people sitting Shiva or visiting a Shiva house and it is just a way for your community to be there for you and to grieve with you and to take care of you. Um, and so there's so much about actually the Jewish tradition that I find so beautiful. So I know that I would want a traditional service in that way, but I think that my funeral service itself would need to have a little bit of me in it. I wouldn't just want yeah. one thing I haven't liked about more traditional Jewish funerals I've been to, which anyone that comes from a religious background would agree with that when you have a clergy person just talk about the individual as if they knew them and like quote the Torah or the Bible that has nothing to do with you. That is something that I don't want. Yeah. Um, okay. That seems fair. So I know some things I don't want. And then I definitely will need a stellar playlist, probably some kind of a musical performance. Oh, we're talking you, you like a full live band or just like a buddy with a, like an acoustic guitar. What are, what are we thinking? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if, I, if I was being honest, I'd love someone to play like probably some really intense metal and just like freak people out because that's what <laughs> I would want. Okay. <laughs> 
I've always been someone who's kind of shocked my family with my musical taste and stuff. And so I would love to just give them one last like hurrah in that way. Sure. I love that. <laughs> you should yeah. keep that in mind for yes. the future. I like that a lot. Uh, but, well, that sounds lovely. I, um, I, I totally just quickly, uh, you know, we're going to wrap up here. I, I appreciate you taking the time to come and do this. Um, I love the idea of Shiva. I, I think that's incredibly beautiful. And I, especially in situations like that where somebody has passed, I want like community immediately. Like I want it so bad. I want to be around other people. I totally understand um, the desire for something like that. And what what a great way for, like you said, to to connect with people and have some really meaningful conversations. Yeah, that that all, all around. I mean, it sounds like you definitely have a, a good idea of what you want, and it it sounds great. Hopefully it doesn't happen for a while, but yeah. <laughs> yes, a long, a long, a long time away, but uh, one day. Um, yeah. So th thank you so much for doing this. Obviously, it was great to to chat and catch up a little bit. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Bye.